Welcome to Yippie-Ki-Yay Classic. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Debbie Murphy. I'm John Quattrucci. I'm Drew Gould. And I'm Chris Coker. Uh, John, a little yeah. late. John, a little late on that one. But all right. Well, I was I was wrapped up in my Red Sox hat and the, the feeling that I have after the game last night. Yeah, so I, I apologize game. for that. Good game. Well, we know what he watched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of what he watched, uh, before we get started in my movie that I brought called Thief, Let's talk about what you watch, Sean and Debbie. What did you watch this week? I watched uh, Made. Made, M A D E or M A I D? I D Made, not it's, the it's Made, just Made. It's on. What you think? Oh my gosh, it, it, it was it, it, just fantastic. Is that the Vince Vaughn Made? No, or? that's an excellent movie. She's talking about the Andy McDowell, Margaret Qualley um, miniseries on Netflix. Kelly, oh. watched, I haven't seen it, but Kelly watched it and also okay. thought it was spectacular. Is uh, what, where is it streaming? I'm sorry. Netflix. Oh, okay. It's about a woman trying to pull herself out of, you know, with a young, a um, bad marriage, bad marriage. That happens. These things. But um, what I watched are both, you know, movie movies. We saw um, Debbie and I saw, um, you know, many saints of Newark and Mm -hmm. we saw no time to die this week. How was that? I read your post. No spoilers. Yeah. Well, the first one was, Awful. You didn't like Newark, huh? Oh my goodness! Did you like The Sopranos? No, what does it, it, it didn't know where it was going. Well, did you enjoy The Sopranos when it was on, or now? I, and there were times when I liked it. Yeah. Okay. To okay. me, the problem with the movie is it it seemed to lack focus. I would have preferred if it were a series. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked the characters. There were plot points I was interested in, and then suddenly it's gone. It didn't do what I really wanted. Which yeah. was to spend time with um, Tony Soprano. Yeah. Well, but I, I mean, I, I yeah. Liked, okay. I, there was a lot I liked about it, but I thought James Bond film was magnificent. Really? I do have some spoilers. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say the spoilers. I really only had two problems with it, but certain set pieces were fantastic, like the one in Italy. You know, I mean, I love a good cemetery, and that sequence at the cemetery and the chase afterwards are, was fantastic. Daniel Craig was great. The entire cast was great. Now, you in know, Italy, they don't have, really have cemeteries. They have, they have ossuaries. Yeah, mausoleum. Where they put all the bones together and mix them up and say, well, here they are, the okay. family. <laughs> I see. Yeah, generally in Italy uh, and in a lot of European countries, you don't get a grave forever. You only get it for about yeah. 70 years. And then they put your bones in a common ossuary. And then they, they sell the grave again. Oh. You know, a, lot a lot of, of calcium buildup. No, but um, um, was it a good so send off? Back in the movies for those movies, we also yeah. saw Adam's Family too. You know, wow, the, you're going to a lot of movies. Yeah, we're taking advantage. Was of the, uh, Back to Bond? Was it a good send off for Daniel Craig? Yes. Yes, it was excellent. Okay. I w- I can't comment any more about. Yeah, it. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Um, yeah. Chris, what did you see this week? Um, I didn't actually watch a whole lot of stuff. Things got crazy around here, but I did rewatch. Speaking of Michael Mann and Thief, I rewatched Last of the Mohicans. Oh, and, uh, um, oh my don't, God. Don't die. <laughs> Whatever I, you do, don't die. I will come for you. Uh, you know, it's, and it's funny. I, I don't know a single person who doesn't, and I'm about to probably get free, but um, I don't know a single person who doesn't like that movie. Like I've never everybody seen it. I know. It's, it's really good. You've never seen it? 
No. I love that movie. You it should is, see it, Ralph. Yeah. Let me put it this I, I way. Yeah. Everybody I know from like my idiot frat boy friends, not that I was ever a frat boy, but like guys like that, women I know, everybody seems to get something out of that film. They all, I don't know anybody who doesn't like that movie. Did you um, watch it on Indigenous People's Day? <laughs> actually, no. no. Daniel Day-Lewis, action hero. Yes. Yeah. But it was like, and it was funny. I was actually in college when that movie came out, and I remember seeing it. And one of my history professors, she was a, a history professor, and she literally did her like doctoral thesis on like, um, you know, Indian combat or whatever in the French and Indian War, and she gave it the official, super realistic. Oh wow! You really? Know, thumbs That's up. Neat. Oh yeah. Like she she taught military history, and she was like. She was like, that's the most accurate portrayal of what it was probably like in a scrum, you know, for lack of a better term, of, you know, like Native American fighting versus, you know, the British and stuff like that. But yeah, I really, um, it's funny. It, I don't, you can't find it anymore, but believe it or not, man did a director's cut of that. And there's a couple of extra scenes in there that are kind of, that are kind of interesting. Nothing really gets added to the film as a whole, uh, but there's a couple of extra little scenes in it. So. But did yeah, Daniel Day Lewis enjoy that film? Did he like doing that? Because it's so, it seems like such a not him type of movie, right? I, I mean, I'm I've never read any interviews specifically with him about that film, but he seems like a guy who likes to try to do different things. Yeah. So I'm sure up to that point he was like, you know what? Why don't I get pretty ripped and you know walk around with my shirt off half the time and uh, kind of be an action hero, but in an amazingly historically accurate yeah. and emotional way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so oh. anyway, but yeah, last Mohicans. Like, oh, good. And it, Madeline, Stowe, mention, Madeline um, Stowe was big at that. Yeah, time. she was great in that too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, um, I love that movie. I've seen it many, many times. Uh, I saw it in the theater. It blew me away. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. 16, I think. And, um, and then I've watched it many times on video and I wanted to get it on a high def format. And the only one you could get was the director's cut. The director's cut isn't bad, but no. if you love the movie and you've seen it, it screws up the rhythms of a couple of scenes. It screws yeah. up the music cues and it screws up the way it feels. So you can get the actual real cut, the theatrical cut from Australia in the no region Blu-ray. And it looks <laughs> awesome. And it's fantastic. Cool. Sponsored and by whoever it's, put that uh, up. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> so cracky. Yeah. I've never seen it. So uh, I'll have to take a look. You've never That's seen you it. I, you know, I was I, the other uh, a, a couple months ago. I got somehow I fell in a you know hole looking at stuff, and I wanted to see it or get it, and I never did. But I was definitely interested in. I think because I read some interviews with Michael Mann probably mm -hmm. a few months ago, yeah. and 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 started getting into it, and I just haven't had the time. But uh, it's good. Good, call. good call. Cocaine. What's that? Oh, because I know a lot of people who are reenactors on it, and they're like, "Oh man, that shoot! It was a real snowstorm." I'm like. I didn't see any snow in the movie. And he goes, <laughs> Sean, you're so naive. He goes, everybody, you know, everybody, even the extras, were like completely coked up the whole time. What year was that made? Do you know? Okay. came out in 92. 92. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a historical reenactor. I used to do British. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, my, that's my. Man, what yeah, haven't you done? Oh, my God. That's British that's, British reenacting. That's my that's my second favorite Michael Mann movie. I really love that movie. So yeah. I think you should definitely make the time to see it. Michael Mann films. I will. I will. will. I will. I will definitely put that one on the list. John, it's, um, you got? it's on Amazon Prime, by the way, Ralph. Oh, Just okay. so oh, nice. There's Good. no hurdles. 
Nice. Oh, good. Uh, so uh, I talked about this last week. I'll just mention it quickly. Uh, if you haven't seen Squid Game, you need mm. to watch that movie. It's serious. It's crazy. I haven't it's seen it yet. Crazy. It's crazy. You got to get past the first episode because it is dubbed. It's not um, subtitled, and it takes that takes a little getting used to. And the first episode's got a lot of exposition, but once it gets into the game, it's freaking crazy. So see it. But what I watched. Uh, so when I was in 10th grade, I did a book report. Oh, not a book report. I had to do a report on science fiction. And one of the guys I wrote about was George Milliers, who is the Ooh. father of special effects. And one of the films, uh, the, the first one with big special effects was Trip to the Moon, which I had never seen. The famous shot is the moon with the missile going into his eye. Well, TCM has the remastered short. Oh, wow. And it's it's Ooh. amazing. Uh, I, uh, what I try to do is put myself in a 1902 audience mind. And what you see on the screen, they must have been because it was color. They used color. Uh, you know, they, they, I think it was two colors that they painted, but there was some really, cause, uh, George Melius is a magician. So he used a lot of his tricks in the movies. It was, it was just incredible to see it. And the other one I watched, keeping along the lines of special effects was 1924's Sherlock Jr. uh, by Buster Keaton. Um, the purple rise, purple rose of Cairo was a tribute to this film because this is the one where Buster Keaton plays a projectionist. And at one point he leaves his body and walks into the screen and becomes a character in a bunch of different scenes. But when you think of that, Sherlock Jr. It's called uh, purple rose of Cairo was the Woody Allen movie. Cairo wasn't that. Oh, I can't think of Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Yeah, he walks into the screen. Well, this is Sherlock Jr. did it first. And and the way he did it, it was really amazing. I mean, the effects of... And Last Action Hero, they did it in that one, too. Yeah, in 1902, when, when you think about uh, what we see now, again, <laughs> the special effects are amazing. I mean, you look at it now and it looks ridiculous, but back then, what it must have been to the Listen, audience. Even and, and I, I also think Buster Keaton is a... Uh, a much better filmmaker than like a Charlie Chaplin, a technical mm-hmm. filmmaker sure. where, where uh, Chaplin goes for pathos and characterization. Uh, Keaton was a master technician and the stuff he did in all his movies. I'm a big fan of, but this one I particularly like. So th- that's what I watched. I that Jimmy Fallon looks just like Buster Keaton. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I could see that a little bit. Okay. Oh, I could see that. It's interesting. Something happens somewhere. Well, it's, it's nice when it's nice when you can go back to the literally first films and you can see that first of all they're still worth watching because of course they are, but also the the influence that they still wield that this is an innovation that still lasts a hundred years later. Yeah. Of course, my example is that there is a absolute straight line from Buster Keaton's The General oh, boy. to Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, so you know, this is a century of quality. Oh, yeah. Same thing. It's a what? A century of quality. Right. <laughs> there's some channel on Roku. I was uh, somewhere, and there's a whole Buster Keaton channel. Oh, uh, cool. What? Films. Buster Keaton channel. We have the box in the other yeah. room. Yeah. Uh, what, he's in a box? What? Yeah, that's weird. He's he's Is he in an ossuary? Yes. He's in, <laughs> in a box. <laughs> in his movies, when he had control of his, his filmmaking before he moves to studios, uh, his movies are brilliant. I that mean, he looks got, like special effects when he's being yanked off the back of a train or whatever. That's all him doing. Well, those no, things, that's right? all. Yeah, that's yeah, all him. Yeah, but but amazing. the general, I mean, the stuff they did in the general filmmaking wise was amazing. Yeah, I mean, amazing. just amazing. All right. Anyway, that uh, was it. Good. Drew, what do you got? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I have a, another public service message. Oh, boy. I got together with uh, Yipikaye alum uh, Wojo and Yipikaye alum Brad, and we did our first Amazon watch party where you can all watch the same movie at the same time. And we said, let's do an Amazon Prime movie with a great cast, with Joel McHale and Paul Shear 
and uh, Stephen Root and all these people. <clears throat> and it's called Happily. And it was very crappily, unfortunately. Mm, um, I saw you post it. <clears throat> I'm not sure what the movie is actually supposed to be about, but shitty and boring. <laughs> so I don't think you should watch it. And don't be tempted by the genuinely great cast. And the great cast, they acquit themselves fine, but it's just garbage. And then, what unfortunately, what? What genre is it? I, I don't know. Is it supposed to be a family drama? Is it supposed to be horror? Is it supposed to be a religious thriller? I, I have no idea. And neither does the movie. So that's important. <laughs> but then I thought, well, let's watch something that's supposed to be fun trash. So I watched uh, Jolt, which is the Kate Beckinsale movie. I that's like a, it's like an heir to uh, Crank yeah. and Shoot 'Em Up and uh, one of my favorite James Gunn movies, Super. And for the first 15 to 20 minutes, you're like, this is this is something special here. Kate Beckinsale, Stanley Tucci, Jay Courtney, but he's actually good. Like, this is going to be really good. And then it's just garbage. So uh, that was really disappointing. Um, there are much better movies to watch from Amazon Prime. But some of those, those services, they get flack for making movies that clearly were never going to be a theatrical release. And they're just trying to make content. And I watched two of them this week, so you don't have to. You're welcome. Yeah, I started <laughs> watching that jolt because of the other one I saw, which was the, uh, oh, the, the, one of, the other woman assassin, the coffee oh, the milkshake, the, the milkshake. Yeah. Which I like, but, but I the jolt, yet. jolt. And then also Jessica Chastain did one too, where she was playing. That's terrible. Assassin, yeah, which was Ava also also Ava. bad. Ava, I think. I can't remember. Um, it's terrible. Uh, except my guy from Many Saints was in there, uh, Nicole or whatever his name. The guy who starred in. Uh, well, Jessica in Chastain is is in it. She's amazing, but that's not. Yeah, I movie. just I just found them all. And speaking of uh, what I watched is I just I have been watching every show, every one of the Sopranos again. I'm rewatching the whole show. Uh, wow. Me and me and a new generation of people who have never seen it on HBO were watching it as well, and I just cannot get over how funny it is, how good the writing is, and how great the acting was. I just it's it is amazing, and and I'm doing this because of the Many Saints of New Jersey, which I actually quite enjoyed. I understand it was a little disjointed, and and everybody was expecting a Tony Soprano kind of origin story. Um, but I like gangster films in general, but I'm just happy that it's got me now obsessed again with the Sopranos and I'm watching every one of them again and I'm just loving every second of it. So, uh, well, I want to bring up one thing about many saints of New Jersey. Yeah. There's a point, and I don't want to give away too much where a woman tells a man something, you know, about having had an affair. And I just couldn't buy it for one second that she would tell this man that thing. You know, I don't remember. Yeah, could you be more? Could you be more obfuscatory? I mean, this yeah, that she tells him she was having an affair with his rival. Oh, right, right, right. You on the beach, right? Okay. I mean, I just could never buy anyone would be that stupid. Yeah, tell him that. Yeah, um, yeah, that did come out of nowhere. It's a horrifying scene. It is a horrifying scene, but. Uh, but again, they had to they had to do a lot, and you, I think you're right. It would have been way better as a prequel series if they could have. I would have loved it as a series. But you got to remember, he wanted Sopranos to be a movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. He didn't want. He, he pitched it as a two hour film, and then HBO said, "We'll, we'll let you do the series." And uh, I think he kind of reversed it and probably realized he should have done a series and said, "Ah, let's do the movie like we wanted to originally." He didn't, yeah. you know. And remember, Chase only directed the first and last. Of the Sopranos, he didn't even direct the Many Saints. Yeah, one of his other guys who went on to do Boardwalk Empire and stuff like that. Um, well, but anyway, strange. Call me a strange person, but you're a strange person. Yeah, thank you. 
I like to watch a movie that has real uh, like depictions of a human being, what a human being would do. <laughs> well, but I mean, what do you mean? All gangster film. I mean, it was a gangster film, like all gangster films. You didn't uh, like Ray Liotta in that film? Which one? Many Saints. Oh, no. I know. I don't. Don't. I know. Yeah, I got you. Oh, but that but, was that was that really freaked her out. Yeah. That. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I, it does some callbacks to other. It, obviously, it's calling back to Sopranos, but also it, yeah. you've got people in there that were in Goodfellas together. Well, how and, long ago was uh, The Sopranos on? 20 years not, ago? Yeah, 1999 premiere. 1999 yeah. 20 years ago. I don't remember a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I remember And I all. tell you, seeing that movie brought me no remembrance of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, if you're they not. They didn't act like they were regular people. Well, if you well, looking back at the Sopranos, every hit they ever did, any time someone got beat up, there was never anybody else around. Like you know, people are shooting guns in a car, there's no cops around, no people. So it's all kind of you know, it's You know it's, what I gotta yeah, say also about Chase, and I love Chase, don't get me wrong. But that other feature he did, I was so anxious to see too. The one he did with uh yeah, the The music one. Is that with uh with Gandolfini and uh Elaine from Seinfeld? What's her name? Julia Louis-Dreyfus? No, it was um, about like some kids who form a rock and roll band. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was... Um, I saw a screener of it. I, you know, yeah. oh, Very well, disappointed. He's anyway. great on TV. Yeah. And Sopranos is fantastic. I, and I, like I said... Just, instead of doing another one of these movies, which they probably... looked like they were setting up to do it. I just wish they would go back to television Get, let us have a little more time with the characters. Well, he enjoy. might. He might. But like I said, he wanted Sopranos to be a movie. So he did what he wanted to do. He earned He earned the, the ability right. to make this film. So I will tell you, the box office was disappointing. And even though I'm not a, I wasn't a great fan of the film, I mean, there's a lot I enjoyed. But I was very sad that it did not make more money because – I want every film out there now to make a ton of money. Well, the mistake they made is they put on HBO Max at the same time. Yeah, which it, is probably going to kill Dune, too. It might. Yeah. I know. It's not I'm worried about that. Yeah. yeah, because why does anybody want to leave if they don't have to, really? I did because I had only seen The Sopranos on television. Yeah. So I wanted to sit in the theater. And I got to tell you, when that at the end of that film, when that theme oh, yeah. song comes up, okay, my, the hair in my arm stood up a little bit, and I was like, okay. This you know is- what? When you said that the last time, because we, I when I was thinking that when that music came up, and I got that little little kind of feeling like, oh yeah, yeah. but that was just like a Fle- fleeting feeling. Okay, yes, very. Wow. Quick and- you, at least you had it. Do you think so. it would have? You think it would have found a bigger audience if they had advertised it as from the director of Thor: The Dark World and the director yes. of Terminator Genesis, two <laughs> absolute <laughs> classics of their respective series <laughs> and genres? I think probably not. <laughs> I think everyone thought David Chase directed it. Actually, I thought he directed it too. Yeah. So, and maybe uh, had different writers altogether hired other people to write it. No, I think. Right. He- well, here let's okay. Let's talk about the film. Well, another kind of gangster film, another film by a director who also did a lot of television. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think his first big film was a television film called The Jericho Mile. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking Great about movie. 1981's Thief by Michael Mann, starring James Caan, Tuesday Well, Jim Belushi's first film, Robert Porsky's <laughs> first film at 50 years old, <laughs> Willie Nelson, Dennis Farina's first film, uh, who went on to do a ton of TV William work with Peterson. Michael Mann. William Peterson's in this as well, who did Manhunter with Michael Mann. So Michael Mann is all over this thing. And Michael Mann, when you watch this film, uh, you see a lot in from Heat. I mean, obviously this was first, but there's all the 
the DNA of all his films or in all his films all the mm-hmm. time, including actors and stuff and themes. And um, so we're going to talk about Thief. I assume you guys all watched it. I know John did because he asked me today. We to watched it. it that night. Yeah. All right. Nice. We so I'm going to watch it driving to somewhere like Hassan would have, but you know. Oh, you watched it on, in your car? No. no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, all right. Let's start with the trailer and then um, we'll get to it. What the hell do you think that I do? I wear $800 suits. I wear a gold watch. I'm a thief. You want to put down contract scores all over the country? Working directly for me? I am self-employed. I'll make you a millionaire in four months. So what do you say, Frank? They gotta be big scores, they gotta be fast. One, two, tops. You don't know from one day to the next whether you're gonna be killed, go home, or get busted. Look, I have run out of time. So I'm just asking you to be with me. Got a problem. I go to work for you, I'm pulling a lot of exposure. We your new partners. We in for 10 points. Our in goes with the territory. They don't run me, and you don't run me. I want my end, and I am out. You don't want to work for me? What's wrong with you? You do what I say. I run you. I want you work until you are burned out, you are busted, or you're dead. I am the last guy in the world that you want to mess with. So last week when I brought this film up, I said it was a 70s film. Obviously, I was wrong. It was, it was done in 1981. But man, oh man, has this got 70s vibe all over it. Um, uh, not a happy ending. It, you know, it's not a, you know, I don't want to, I guess we can spoil it, 81. Um, just, uh, I just love this film. James Caan was at his top in this one. Michael Mann's directing, you know, you know his diner scene in this one is as close to the diner scene in Heat. I mean, not not quite that, you know, heavyweight fight that was going on there with De Niro and Pacino, but pretty good with Tuesday Weld. Uh, James Caan has said that's his favorite scene. Second, I think Godfather and this film are his two favorite films, and that scene in particular, he felt like he just nailed it. Jim Belushi was great. I mean, you know, he's second, second banana. Yeah. 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 Um, Now, I read some backstory. They were filming uh, Blues Brothers at the same time. So Johnny Belushi's coming to the set, and they're drinking at their speakeasy in Chicago after every night after the shoot. Uh, I I just I just love this film. I love um, James Caan's uh, ethic. Now, it's the film starts with him out of prison. We meet him. Uh, he owns a uh, a car dealership, but on the side and a bar and a bar. And his real job is he's a jewel thief or a safe cracker. Um, and 
he has this ethic. He, I guess he's been in prison since he was 16 or 17. So he's been in prison most of his youth. And he has a set of rules that he lives by. And uh, he carries around this piece of collage or something in his pocket that, that in that diner scene, he lays out his whole life plan to Tuesday Weld, who he's decided is his girlfriend. He's going to marry and he's going to have kids with her, whether he has to adopt or whatever. And there's that great adoption scene. And whether yeah. she wants it or not. Right. It didn't matter. He had his plan. Uh, Willie Nelson plays another con that he uh, was in prison with that was sort of a father figure to him. So he keeps going back to the prison to talk to him. Eventually, he actually gets him out with some creative uh, bidding by the judge and the, uh, the, the defense attorney or the attorney that he was dealing with. Um, but like I said, it's Michael Mann through and through. You got Tangerine Dream did the score for this. Yeah, he uses them again later too. He uses them again. I think in Manhunter. I think he, he did does. in Manhunter and, and the others. keep. And the Manhunter. keep. And the keep. Yeah. Right. Uh, Robert Porsky was in the keep. I guess after this one. Prosky. Prosky. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the nighttime cinematography. I mean, this is Chicago mostly. I know. I know. There's a the thing. The one safe cracking thing happens in L.A. later in the film. Um, just and and you know all the characters. And their ethics. And it was written, I think one of the writers was an ex-con. I think one of them might have been Bunker, the guy who was also in Reservoir Dogs with uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino. And all about um, a con's ethic, you know. And if you notice, James Con also never did use contractions. Uh, he would not use contractions because he felt like he needed people to understand. He didn't want to repeat things, so he wanted people to understand what he was saying. So we'd speak slowly without contractions. And I just, I just thought it was a brilliant film. And Khan took it because he saw Jericho Mile. He saw what Michael Mann did with that TV film. I don't know if you guys remember that one with Love, Peter Strauss Love that movie. Yeah. playing a marathon runner in prison. Um, brilliant film. Came out, I think, late 70s. Um, so James Khan saw that and agreed to do this film because of that film. And I just want, to, I want you guys to talk about it. I just, I just find it to be – I mean, like I said, Michael Mann's DNA – is in this film at this is his first big film, I think first major yeah. film. And then his DNA throughout his career is in all this, you know, culminating in heat. He even did that TV version of heat before heat mm -hmm. uh, called LA something. I forget what it was. Called. LA takedown, right? LA takedown. Um, so anyway, I just want to see what you guys think about this film. I just, I, I just think it's one of his best. Who wants to start drew? Well, I mean, this is like you said, this is the, the movie that has all the DNA of Michael Mann's movies for the next 30 years or whatever. It's not my favorite. It's not in my top five of his movies, but it is a, it's a great debut film and it's a, it's a good film. Um, list your top five. Let me, I want to hear your top five. Okay. Well, my favorite Michael Mann movie is The Insider. Oh, good film. Uh, yeah. By far. I, I think that movie is spectacular. Yeah. Um, the, the drama that he gets out of two guys talking in a car in the rain. It's amazing. Uh, the drama he gets out of the suspense he gets out of Michael Gambino as the ta tobacco executive. You may know him as Dumbledore. Um, uh, tapping his, not Gambino. I can't remember his name. Uh, Gambon, Gambon, excuse me. Thank you. Uh, t just running his manicured fingernails on the desk uh, as a threat is just, it's amazing. And then The Last of the Mohicans, which we talked about. And then Heat, uh, which this movie is clearly, obviously, a template for. Yeah the uh the crew half of that movie and then the cop half is the other part which is why that movie is twice as long and uh and then collateral um which i think is just uh one of tom cruise's best performances yeah. 
And that whole thing where uh, James Conn has the collage that he carries around, I mean, that's what Jamie Foxx has in that movie. He has a photo of what he's going to do with his dreams when he gets enough money to stop driving a cab, that kind of stuff. And then uh, Manhunter, um, because I think Brian Cox's um, Hannibal Lecter is uh, is one of the... You know, more interesting takes on the role, and I, I dig that movie. And Dennis Farina, William Peterson, and well, his was Tom the first. Noonan is terrifying. Yeah, well, yeah. Hannibal. That was the first take on Hannibal. So it was. Yeah. And then Anthony Hopkins is very good, but Mads Mikkelsen's take in the TV series I thought was just unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> like really crazy. Because Anthony Hopkins' character became more cartoonish, yeah. which isn't I mean it was less entertaining. But as the movies went on, but Brian Cox, I mean, you know, he he just sits in prison and he talks, and it's yeah. really mm-hmm. unsettling. Very powerful. And then I like a lot of his other movies. My favorite of his TV shows uh, that didn't make it very far, I think it only did 13 episodes, was um, uh, Robbery Homicide Division, which was with Tom Sizemore. And uh, it was just a really cool cop show set in L.A., and I think Tom Sizemore had some problems that prevented it from mm-hmm. continuing on. But that was like yeah, everything about it was Michael Mann. You didn't want to stake your career on Tom Sizemore. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But Thief, I mean, Thief is Thief is one of those movies. It's cool because you can see what's going to come out of it in yeah. every part of it. And there are other movies that do the same kinds of things or expand on those things, and they they do it better. And I think that's fine. I mean, I remember when um, when uh, Mad Max Fury Road came out, uh, somebody was interviewing George Miller and said, "Is this the best one?" And he said something like, "I'm 70 years old. I hope I get better as I go on." <laughs> and so yes heat is a better movie in many ways than thief but heat doesn't exist out of michael mann's mind without thief and it's really neat to see oh, those all, yeah. comparisons i'm sorry he didn't work with uh james Conn again because i think that that was obviously a great role for him and uh and uh it, it's good it's fun it's a little slow by today's pace but it, it it's uh it's a really one of those important movies that's also actually really worth watching yeah i like the fact too that all the tools they're using are legit and the cop that's yes. in it, uh, Santucci, I forget his name, the actor's oh. name, is an act, was the actual safe cracker that that's they true. were using as an expert. Wow. Right. And that's who Khan's character was based on. Yeah, those were his tools or tools that he used. He was, James Khan actually learned to break into vaults. Yeah. And he did the story on uh, the Criterion thing about how his sister lost her keys to her vault and he needed to break into her vault. And he was all <laughs> excited that he could do it. So very authentic, authentic. authentic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just uh, just really good acting. I just thought that diner scene where he's talking to Tuesday Weld is just, it's got to be as an actor and a writer. I would think that's a scene, I think they even said that's a scene a lot of people do in acting class. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine as writers too, that's probably a scene you look at and figure out because that's just two people talking. And it's based on a letter that Michael Mann got from a convict. From an actual convict. Yeah. yeah. So John, what'd you think? Um, I've never seen this movie before. Uh, And so let me start by saying I'm a James Caan fan. So anything he does, I really like. I think this was a uh, kind of tagging along what Drew said. I think I like this movie because you could see what the future held for Michael Mann. Right. It was very, you know, even that opening with that music that I think it was a good. A bunch of set pieces and performances. I wasn't crazy about the movie because I just thought it dragged way too much in between stuff that was happening when the stuff was happening. I really liked it, but I found myself like really not at some points just kind of wandering away because nothing was happening. Yes. The diner scene was amazing. His performance in that was amazing. The robbery scenes were amazing, but that last one that, you know, they did eight weeks of prep was done in about 
five minutes. It was over like that. And then they're cashing the money. The other thing was you could you could see what was going to happen with uh, Porsky or whatever his name is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you, everything he said wasn't um, going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. So, so that was foreshadowed. So well, you knew that. I mean, you, I mean, you know, I, well, okay. Well, you don't know that. I mean, that's it a was, trope, but that's a trope right. of right. the guy who's going to stick to his rules right. while everybody around them doesn't. And it's ultimately, it's what his, not his downfall, but he, he was truthful to his character. Mm-hmm. Unlike right. Robert De Niro, who didn't walk away at the end of Heat and paid the price for that. No, no, he walked right. away from the girl, though. Right. Kind of, but he he's supposed he to does. walk away completely. Well, was, he does. I know he yeah, I know he it's does. It's just but, too late. But he no, too oh, good. Okay. So go ahead. No, I mean, you know, if we're gonna argue about certain points, I mean, you know. I'm just That's saying I just thought um again, it was like like even the relationship with Tuesday Well, right? So they catch eyes in, in the in the diner, but th- there's there's other, there's no backstory of their history at all. Yeah. It seems like right. And 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 boom, they're getting married and they're gonna adopt the kid. I was like, okay, that's that's why strange. I felt like this is a seventies film. This was this had a Well pure- they said they changed the script. Uh James Kahn wanted to change the script because the original script implied that they just met in the diner that one time mm-hmm. and then got married. He said that doesn't work. So we have to have, I've been coming here for seven years. That's the backstory of their relationship. So that felt a little inauthentic to me. Right. And that's what I was like, eh, you know, kind of, but, but again, this, for Ralph. I know I listen, I get it. And, and because to me, as I'm watching this movie, it definitely had the seventies feel. So that's why I know Ralph loves this movie because it could have been made in 1973. Absolutely. But for me watching it, Again, the performances were great. Everybody. I mean, that, that, the head bad guy was scary. Um, J, J, uh, Jim Belushi w- was really good in it. So I liked everybody in it. It, it just like, like the cops. He, you know, he fakes the cops up by putting the tracker on the bus. And then you're you here for the cops again. So they fell for it. And then there was no repercussions from that. So I thought that was kind of strange. Uh, so I was kind of, you know, I loved Stuff in the movie. I didn't love the movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, sense. yeah. So, so that, let's, let's argue about that, though. Why not? No, no, just, I, I, no. I, <laughs> so anyway, that's my. That's no, my I mean, look, look. James Con's character. I mean, he's a caricature. I mean, basically, that's that yeah. person really can't well, exist in real life. I don't see that. I don't, I don't see him so. as a caricature well, at all. That that, no, you know that, who's a caricature? The Italian cop. He was a caricature. Well, that's James the actual, that's the actual jewel a, thief. That's the jewel thief. I know, thief right but there. James Kahn was not a caricature. Well, anything. I think it's that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead, Chris. What were you going to say? Well, you know, I really like the one thing I like about Michael Mann's movies in general is I love the way that he loves the, the good guys, the bad guys slightly to varying degrees is they're all professionals right i love the fact that in the opening bit of this he is a professional he knows what he is doing he is not some knucklehead criminal who falls into things he knows precisely what he is doing the cops and and you see this later and and you're and you're right john like he fakes out the cops and they disappear and you do see this like you mentioned this of the other part of heat is the cop part but also even in even in uh some of man's i won't call it lesser work because i really liked it uh miami vice everybody in that film is a professional to the to the nth degree i love that idea that and he's fascinated with professionalism you know and these people who do things at a level that most of us don't even really dream about 
Um, I really like the character. I, I love the fact that in the film, you know, you have, you know, James Caan wants these things, you know, and he's, he's put together this thing. And I like the fact that he kind of is like, look, I've been coming in here for six months. Let's forget about the mini moves and get on with this big romance. I love, like, it's so over the top. And here's this woman. You <laughs> Perhaps know, unbelievable. She, you know, she, she <laughs> talks about, you know, things were bad. She ended up in like Bogota or Colombia and things happen, you know, and she's basically saying, you know, that she had to, you know, sleep her way out of there. So well, I she's think damaged, she's she's damaged goods as bad goods, as yeah. much as he is. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just this, I found him to be really three-dimensional and it's, he's got this guy who's like a father figure, the, the Willie Nelson, the Okla character. And then, man, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for my money, James Caan in the adoption agency. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Like just the, the seething rage and, yeah. and, and, and crushing like pain and anger. He, you know, when he's talking about being state raised and all this stuff, and it's just all under the surface. And, and I mean, it's starting to bubble out. It's one of his best moments ever. Um, but nobody I mean, I in their right, listen, the let me just, let me just, but, let me just quibble mm-hmm. it down for a second. Nobody in their right mind, including Tuesday Weld, should have walked in there and expected they're going to walk out with a baby, given sure. that she's going in there with an ex convict, right? So mm-hmm. to me, that's the kind of cheat of the film. It's like we want to see him as an actor do that scene. Right. Because yes, mm-hmm. you could see the seething rage going on. And it's yeah. yes, it's nice to take that um that government worker and and you know put her in her place kind of thing. Sure. But that would never happen and you'd never walk in that place in real life. Well he you thought know. he bought some respectability. Yeah. He has businesses, yeah. he dresses mm-hmm. well. That's what I mean. Well he's kind of uneducated. As a matter of fact, yeah, he uses I mean, uh, he uses some true. word in the some word he yeah, said about elected, being elected elected, elected yeah. or something yeah. to show his, I mean, his yeah go ahead yeah I mean I guess that's the the thing is is and you're right he is in certain ways he he has um, he hasn't he doesn't have an understanding of what we you and I and the rest of us would call the real world because he has been behind bars yeah. um, but I also just love the fact that it's his dream that kind of gets him in trouble. You know, it's the dream of having a family and that gets him, you know, in, in trouble with the, with the guy, Leo, you know, it gives and him he, leverage. Yeah. And then he's yeah. like, he even says, he's like, you know, don't come on to me with this jailhouse bullshit. You're not that guy anymore. You've got businesses. And so in the end to get out from under that, because the, the thought of being under anybody's yoke, and I can understand how an ex-con would feel this way. He is willing to literally Blow, blow it all up yeah. to get to that mind space. When he talks about, you know, he talks about being in jail and he talks about the guys coming for him and he just had to be like, you know what? I'm not going to let that. And he's like, you know, and so but he again, just literally what did he wipes expect? out his life. What did he expect when he, when the, when he asked the boss, Robert, mm-hmm. what's his name? Prosky. 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 To get him a baby. I mean, the yeah, guy gets right. him a baby. How are you not beholden to him after he's he gets beholden you a baby. right then and there? Yeah. And so his ethic is 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 but the guy in the house. The guy owned the house too. The guy owned right. the paper in the house. Right. Right. And that was a rare time where he actually showed some emotion. Yeah. He showed um, Khan showed some vulnerable emotional vulnerability because mm-hmm. you know Leo's like, come on, you know we're you know being a father, you know, forget all this business stuff. That's the yeah. most important thing. Right. Yeah. But it really wasn't. No. <laughs> nope. Ultimately, yeah, he was willing to toss her away, the baby away. What? She no, he wasn't baby. willing to toss them away. It was the only way he could protect them. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, you have to leave. But that's so different that than survive. tossing them away. Yeah. yeah. He knew yeah. he had to get away from them or they were going to be in trouble. So. Right. So he, yeah, and and he gave mean, her half a million bucks in the shoeboxes. Yeah. 
and what he says and what Leo says to him, you know, when he's been, you know, when he's been clocked in the back of the head and he talks about his wife and all that stuff. I mean, that's some, that is some rough language. And it is just like, you, he realizes he's like, there's, there's no other way than I can't go on the run. I've got to wipe right. this I guy forgot out. he threatened. He did. Th- yeah, he threatened yeah. the whole. Yeah. Put mm-hmm. you on the street. That kid isn't yours. You're only. He's, he's in your. You're leasing the kid. You're at least, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You're leasing him. Yeah. It's. Um, but yeah, it's like. But but then again, you know, you look at it visually. It's such a pretty film. You know, oh and God. I'm a big sucker for neon on wet streets. I don't know what they did. That so. scene in between Rat Alley, they call it. There's yeah. a scene mm-hmm. they do. Just It's just a scene at the beginning of the film. They're shooting down the alley when it's raining. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that scene we saw in the uh, trailer on the hood of the car, you know, yeah. with the lights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just gorgeous. Sean, Debbie. Well, we started watching this. The Uh-oh. Started. <laughs> Yeah, we, that's no, never good. We watched it the whole time from beginning when we put it in or whatever we did, we turned it on. And when I first saw it, and I said, "Oh God, I'm gonna hate this movie. I'm gonna just hate it." She hated Con. I, I just don't like that bad element. You know what I mean? How could this beautiful Tuesday Weld? You know what was she? What did she see? She's him? dragging him, and he's dragging her around. You know, and everything. what the heck? Get take a take. Get, call the police. You know. Yeah. And the whole time I'm saying, no, don't go with that bad guy. So, but the thing is, the movie really had the character arcing. You know, with uh, James Con, really fantastic to the point where, you know, they do that. Uh, the heroes uh, in writing. You the know, heroes journey. The heroes journey. Uh, that you, they go somewhere and they grow. And this is a total example of that happening because he just really, you know, advanced into some, some hero where he was a schlub. You know, he was like a, a ne'er-do-well and Tuesday Weld was, she ran into. Well, wait, 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 back up. He, he was no schlub. That guy was a. Like a okay. Well, okay. All right. I get. Okay. Okay. Women I mean, that- look at that scene where he drags her out, and like people are trying to intervene because he looks like an abusive husband or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> when mean, he threw William Peterson to the ground in that boy. Yeah. 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 Came over. You know, I mean, if you have two brain cells to rub together, no, the guy wasn't bright. He and wasn't. He's, he's, a, he's a, He was a big thug. I mean, he was like a you know big. But he had heart, you know, he had heart. And okay, um, again, Tony Soprano, same thing. It's like, this is what's amazing. You root for, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I get it. But yet, because okay, that's a guy I would not want to be anywhere near my daughter or myself. He's a total, you know, but yeah, you look at him and he's honest, right? He was honest. He blew everything up because he was sticking to his ethic. His ethic was, heart. if it doesn't he work. It grew yeah. like the Grinch, you know? Yeah. Here he was like. I don't think his heart, his heart stayed the same. If he could throw her out and. His heart was solid. No, he no. threw her out because he loved, he loved her. He loved her. No, I yeah. understand, but that's all part of the ethic. His ethic. His ethic was that was the clear thing in the whole was his, you know, never like what's the line in Heat? Never stay thirty seconds or whatever he says yeah. about. He says no, 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 you no, don't no, have no, anything no, you can't no, leave no, in thirty no, seconds no, flat no, if you no. see the heat around the corner. So do you think after yeah, he survives, different. he survives this because he's wearing the the vest? Mm-hmm. He's walking away. Do you think he's going back to find Tuesday Weld or is he no? Because right. he can't protect her because right. of his life, right? And he's yeah. killed the big boss too, right? Ross, he, he was right about him. 
Yeah. You know, once he has her, and he's not going to be able to give up. Um, I think he also realizes that he can't necessarily give up crime like he hoped. That's a vain dream. Remember he when never we gave had, up, but he didn't give up crime. No, he was going to. He was going that, to. That was the one, was last, one last. If he got the eight hundred thousand, that was yeah. he there was going to walk That's away. That's what I mean. That's what that I mean. was the whole point. The last score. What Kenji said when he was a guest on the program. Yeah, right. he said, you know, there's no such thing as the last crime because it's just too easy to do another one. Right. Which is why he testified to the FBI because he knew, you know, the temptation would always be there to continue to com- commit crimes. Right. You know, but um, you know, it's so funny. I really love Debbie's. Debbie's journey during this film because after that scene where he's dragging her out of the bar and everything, she just hated that character. She's like, I hope he dies, you know. And I'm like, well, give it a little time. <laughs> you may come around. Yeah, I was talking through it too. Yeah, but didn't she adopt the baby after that? What? Didn't she get a baby handed to her after that scene? Like, that yeah. was. That was not right after that scene. But they yeah, got married, they and then they adopted the right. baby. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It wasn't right so after that scene. So she stuck with him after that. She thought because he was Because cool. they got the house, they right. got the baby. Right, in she fact, loved I thought, that house. I thought one of the best scenes where he showed some change was when they named the baby. Yeah. And named it after uh, uh, oh, Willie Nelson, Nelson. And called him David. The look on his face when she said, we can call him David. That was, you know, I was like, wow. Wait her over and said, oh, by the way, the baby's name. He goes, that's a nice name. Nice name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of Willie Nelson's performance? He looked high. Yeah, he was. I mean, you know, he was fine. Anybody could have played that. Didn't need to be <laughs> you know, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. That's early <laughs> Willie Nelson, too. Yeah. 1981. Willie Nelson. I and then really- they, get, they get him out and he dies in the steps. <laughs> I thought he was better in uh, Beer Fest than he was in this one. Oh, Yeah. He was really good in that. Honeysuckle uh, Rose. Or on the Honeysuckle road. Rose. Right. So, so yeah. my, Sean, as a writer, as a writer, though, tell me about that diner scene. That diner scene is fantastic. Right. Technically speaking, you probably couldn't do it now because it was over three pages long. That's for sure. It was a long scene. You know, and I could see why people do it as a monologue. But, you know, right now, right now, you know, it's everything is um, so saved to cat and so technical. That people aren't going to say what are, that, that means. To Save the Cat is like a one of the screenwriting books that's out. That's the current screenwriting Bible. And um, people are going to look at a scene and it doesn't matter how well it's written. They think it's wrong because it's over three right. pages. Wow. You know, it's automatically wrong, even if it's the best thing ever written. But that that was a really terrific scene. This was just a very well written movie beginning to end. And it's very much. I agree with um, Ralph. It's very much a 70s film in the sense that although it seems like it's a caper film, it's really a character study. Yeah. You know, and which is why it's slow at times, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not structured around the robberies because otherwise the robbery would be the end of third, the third act. Instead, the robbery, the, the second robbery essentially is the crisis that leads to the third act because it doesn't. Yeah, it's interesting, though. We drop into this film. How many years out of prison has he been? John said seven, right? I don't think, was it seven? I didn't think it was. Well, you you mentioned that he had gone to that diner. I think he Tuesday Weld how long it's been. Okay. And also, I think to the um, woman at the adoption agency, because they mentioned like. Yeah, because he had the car dealership in the bar and he wore the nice watch. I think he made a big deal. The gold watch. And he's wearing a suit. $800 slacks. Right. So, I mean, he had been out for a while before all this crisis started. Yeah. Yeah. But it's when he decided, it's when he decided that he needs the family. Yeah. And that's when everything got messed up. 
Yeah. Once he, once he had to worry about other people, then everything is off. Well, no, is, it got messed up when he decided to not work for himself. That's when it got messed up. Once he worked for that true. guy, everything changed. Right. Well, you so, know, that's the problem with criminals. Oftentimes, you know, like you think about it. Can't trust them. Violence on the streets. Why don't they drug dealers just organize themselves? <laughs> you just Everyone can't trust criminals. Well, John, but it's, John, you said you said about him working for himself. That was one of the things that I noticed about the movie. Sometimes you watch these movies and they're, you know, it's a heist and it's for a hundred thousand dollars. And you're like, that's, that's a lot of money. I will say $830,000 still sounds like a lot of money. And watching Belushi dump drawers of diamonds into a bag looked like a big score. Yeah. So I didn't really think about it until I saw that. I was like, okay, this is, this is a yeah. big deal. This is what he, he cut through everything for. This is what he put himself on the line for. It really felt like, I mean, you know, it's a movie and it's not going to get, it's not going to happen, but that's a good last score that isn't going to pay. Well, off. listen, he pulled three shoe boxes out and there was $450,000 in it. So right. Obviously, right. the guy made a good living on his own, right. and he was looking for one big score, right. right? Right. What was that? I bet he didn't pay taxes on it. That's entirely sure possible. Did. Yeah. I did yeah, see. But, well, that's that's why you have a car dealership and a bar. Yeah. There, there you go. Used Scrub car dealership and a bar is a great way to launder money. Right. You know? yeah. you pay How would your you taxes, know that? People How don't do you know around. that. Yes. He watches um, movies. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Has <laughs> he seen uh, Breaking Bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. it's funny. I didn't think about the the him getting in bed with other people, uh, the other criminals, right? And 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 for me, it was about once he involved his family, all bets. Once you involve that outside person in your ethos of mm-hmm. you can't have any outside people. I mean, he broke all his rules right. throughout yeah. this whole film because he even ultimately paid the price. Right. Yeah, I mean, he even mentions the fact when he's talking to Tuesday Welder, actually kind of yelling at her. You know, he's talking about how he. He was married and he wasn't honest with the woman he was married with. Right. And that caused problems. And they have been, he's like, so basically he's trying to tell her even really up front that everything right up front. Yeah. Yeah. Just laying it all out in like this kind of weird over overshare. So we call <laughs> these days. Yeah. yeah. What do you um, think I do? What do you think I do? Oh, exactly. Desperate. These two characters were desperate. You know, they, yeah. they mm-hmm. really Tuesday. Well, and um, James Conde. They were desperate individuals, and they mm-hmm. they were going to do something together, you know. Yeah. And his dream happened, and uh, you know, spontaneity, you know, instant money, and that's the harmful thing of these, you know, stories well, in life because you miss out. You know, it's like you miss out on what it's all about. By going for the glitter or whatever. Well, she wasn't going for the glitter. I think what she liked about him, well, I'm sure it didn't hurt that, you know, he had money. But I think because she told him his her story, mm-hmm. she could be, because he overshared, she could tell him everything and knew that he wasn't going to reject her because of it. Right. Yeah. You know, he wasn't going to drown her in the surf but like two, in um, two Hey, whoa. Hey, hey um, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right, spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler oh alert. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah. that scene ends, or that what he, he knows everything's going okay when their hands touch on that diner scene. Yeah. Because she right. was standoffish. She's like, what do you, you know, what's all this about? Well, I he stood, him up. He stood her up two hours. Yeah. You so, know, but, um, I saw this in the movies. I thought it was really terrific back then. And um, I, I've seen, you know, seen it quite a few times since then. It's one of my favorite crime films, you know, and I do. And obviously, 
It's a lot like heat. Well, I love the details. I love that they actually use that super hot rod thing that, that actually did its thing. I love that the, the drill, the magnetic thing that sticks on the side and he's, yeah. if that's all real legit stuff. That, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that's fascinating. How did this do at the box office? Am I supposed to? Uh, that's probably recent. Well, it's your movie. Right? You, you would think uh, you'd know that. Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. I saw so. it, so I know it. It, <laughs> probably made it was one person. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say probably not well. I'm going to say probably not very well. because. But yeah. it's not, that's not based on anything. You just make No, it it's just instinct because I don't think many it's, people talk about Thief instinct. and the Michael Mann. I'm saying Michael Mann's you know, catalog of films. I think Thief is probably one of those that they look at and go, yeah, that's a good art film. I don't think it was a moneymaker. Well, it's also but, hard. But again, it's I hard no not to, it's hard not to look there. at, it's hard not to look at Thief and say, well, he did that better. He did that better. He did that better mm. because Thief has <laughs> got a lot of good stuff in it, but Heat is just such a giant epic. I mean, even the small yeah. parts like Tom Noonan and Heat, he's the guy that you go to to get the, he says, oh, the, the heist, the information, it's all right. just in the air. I just go in the wheelchair. So in, in Thief, it's the, right. And in Thief, it's the guy who is uh, clearly he has a relationship with who uh, basically invents the welding heat that he needs to cut into the city. Like again, everybody's a pro and you feel it, mm-hmm. but the whole movie is just, it's just bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it's funny and behind the scenes. So they had criminals and cops all working on this thing and all the criminals, the statute of limitations was up. So these guys could all talk about all these crimes they pulled off, and the cops are like, okay, here's what we do. You know, everybody's talking to That's each funny. other. Uh, it's wild. You know, and he goes on to do crime story. And, sure. And, and when you look In at Miami this, Vice some of the slow-mo, yeah. some of the bullet hits looked a little funky. The slow-mo was a little funky. You know, it's, you know he, he was trying some things and testing some things out. Um, but, but it's I, like. But I don't know how it, honestly, I don't know how it did at the box. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be in the minority opinion that. I love the movie Heat, but I, I think I like this one better because oh wow, I think they wow. take a deeper dive into this character. This, you know, to me, this is a real character. You know, I mean, he's like a really complex human being. You know, he wants these things that he can't have. You know, and you know, it's well, certainly uh, James Con was less stoic than uh, I'm going to say De Niro's character, who I thought was the main. You know, if you want to get in somebody's head, it was Macaulay's stuff that you're hearing mostly about. Obviously, Pacino talking about the dream of all the people that died. You know, he had his own life going and all that. But if I compare Macaulay to James Caan's character in Thief, James Caan was more, way more emotional. Yeah. Like, he would let his anger affect what was going on. Like, well, you know, how are you going to compete with Al Pacino's emotional performance in that movie? I mean, it's completely insane. Well, they actually, in the, in the director's cut, they cut out the my favorite line that's like the most Al Pacino line, where he he does that whole "She's got a great ass and you oh, bet yeah. your head all the way up it." Oh, but great. then after that, he looks at Hank Azaria, who looks stupefied, and he goes, "Ferocious, ain't I?" And that's cut out. <laughs> well, like, that's I read that's stuff. That's Azaria totally had him. no clue what was going on. He was freaking out because oh, Al yeah. was going off. Okay, uh, I got great. a question for you guys. Now, help me because I really don't remember this. Who was the other actor that we've talked about on this podcast? That does not use contractions. That was Lou Diamond Phillips' Lou character Diamond. in yes. his and Longmire. Longmire, right? So that must uh, be a, a popular thing to do for actors and actors. Well, well in, uh, in the Longmire books, uh, his character did not use contractions, so that was already there in the book. Yeah, yeah. I but I like James Con's explanation on why he chose to do that, which is mm-hmm. here's a guy trying to get his point across. 
and he doesn't want to have to talk fast right. and he wants to say it once. He doesn't want to repeat himself. He has too much time. He right. doesn't want to waste any time. Chris, you were going to jump in and say something. Oh, uh, one of the things I was just going to say about um, Michael Mann, I, I find him very interesting as a, uh, a screenwriter to some extent because he, he tends to get these books and then just kind of throw them out. Um, yeah. And that's so technically this movie is based on a book called The Home Invaders. Um, right. And it's um, he basically, I guess they optioned it or whatever. And then he pretty much rewrote the whole thing. Um, it didn't um, didn't use it at all. And it also reminds me of uh, uh, Manhunter, which is one of my favorite Michael Mann films and uh, how in my and he did the same thing. You know, I, I sat down and read Red Dragon, you know, the, the Thomas Harris book that it's mm-hmm. based on. And I got to the ending and I was just like, wow, that was so terrible. Like, you know, which is, I didn't like the whole fake out part of it, you know? Um, They don't do in the movie. That's for sure. Manhunter and Red Dragon. In Manhunter, they don't do the whole like fake out thing. They do that in the, you know, the, the Brett Ratner, need I say more Red Dragon film. Um, Is he a director anyone's going to (laughs) pick? No, I don't think so. Um, The point being is that, um, you know, he's, you know, I just think he does have, uh, you know, a lot of great things. And I love the way he kind of just, you know, says, I'm going to do this. And, and, and in a lot of ways improves upon it. Cause like red dragon was a, you know, it was a standard little thriller paperback that had Hannibal Lecter in it. And then of course, you know, as you mentioned, Mad, Mads Milkison's version in the show, I remember when that show came out, I was like, wow, we're beating this dead horse again. Right. right. And then I saw it and I was blown away by it. Well, they um, did. They did a lot of different. Yeah. They, they well, were, that yeah. whole, sh- that whole show is basically two lines of Ralph's favorite thing, which is backstory from, from the books, like literally yeah. a line about the, the, the Minnesota Shrike was a killer that they found mm-hmm. and something about will getting attacked with a linoleum knife. So yeah. if you've, only know the premise of it. You're waiting for the whole show for them to happen. And I like that show a lot because what it did is kind of what Michael Mann does with some of his adaptations. It's, and there are other shows that are doing this too. It's a remix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, um, like a, a reboot. Like, you know, as you're watching Hannibal, you, I mean, obviously what you really wanted to get to was Silence of the Lambs, which they couldn't get the rights for. Well, you know, you're going to watch the story of Red Dragon. You're going to watch the story of Mason Verger. But what's it really going to look like? How is it going to be yeah. the same? How is it going to be different? And it was incredibly satisfying to watch the way they did it. Because, I, I mean, apparently in our culture, these stories of Hannibal Lecter are like all-time classic stories. And they'll sure. just keep retelling them. Yeah, and you know what? If they do a good guy, job, oh, that's great. Last and Mohican well, is a at, terrible at, book. But the L- movie that he made out of it is an amazing movie. Look at L.A. Takedown, the, the TV show we talked mm-hmm. about. He, that, they're, they're, lying, they're whole paragraphs that just implanted in heat. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I mean, feel bad for I feel bad for the two guys who did the diner scene in LA Takedown to have Pacino <laughs> and De Niro do the same thing. It's like, oh, right. what, what are we going to do? But I, LA I Takedown was a it's my understanding because I remember back when the the magazine Film Thread existed, I was a big oh, fan yeah. of that film or that magazine. Um they did a breakdown of like Heat versus LA Takedown and uh, but apparently LA Takedown was originally a pilot movie that my man shot to be his next version of like not version of Miami vice, but to be his next TV show. Yeah. Like he shot this and it was going to be about, even though in the, in the film, in the movie, you know, that there's two sides, it was going to be about the LA major crimes unit. That's Mm. what it was going to be about. It was going to be Miami vice, but in LA with a nineties vibe. Um, And of course it, it never became a TV show. Yeah. And so he just said, Hey, I'm going to, 
I'm going to expand it and rewrite it, and, and then they let him make a movie out of it. He and did it was, Crime Story too. That was his as well, right? It was. Crime yeah, Story? Mm-hmm. Crime Dennis Farina was, was a big yep. part of that. He one. was the main hey, um, in that. I do want to say something about Manhunter. Yeah. So I read um, read read uh, Dragon like right when it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then the movie came out years later. I remember seeing it at the Golden Ring Mall. I'm sitting there watching this movie because it was called Manhunter. I didn't automatically assume it was Red Dragon. You know, and it's a mystery, you know, and I'm like one step ahead of it the whole time. And then like, like halfway through, I, I turned to the person I was with. I go, he's identifying, he's finding the victims through photographs left at, you know, photo places. <laughs> they look at me like I'm crazy. And then I'm, then I just stop and said, how could I possibly know that? <laughs> And then, and then I remembered I read the book, you know. But I'm sitting there; I had completely forgotten until that moment. And then, and then I said, I said that and it's one of those things. Like I'm not that smart. I could. There's not enough information he's, been expressed. He's in really the- not that smart. <laughs> but okay. tell you, he's brilliant, but he's not that smart. Yeah. But um, oh God! And you know what? I really hate it was Hannibal. You know. I, as much yeah. as you know, backstory. It's like the movie. I don't, yeah, the movie and oh, the book. Movie was bad. Like I read that was the last <laughs> Harris's books I read, and it's sort of like there's nothing, there's no adequate explanation for why he is the way he is, and I don't want to see it. I would rather have him as a person of mystery. Same with like the Halloween movie when um, mm-hmm. the one guy made the like origin story of Jason. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like. I think I knew all I needed to know about him from the original movie in the first five minutes. Yeah. You know, I don't well, think I need to. Well, wasn't know Hannibal him. kind of a f you to people, and they didn't he get? I think he wanted to make millions of dollars. No, no, no. Ralph, Ralph is Ralph is right. The the story of that is basically that he did Silence of the Lambs. It became a huge hit. It became a huge movie. It became a huge Oscar winning legendary film, and people basically were like, "Oh my God, Hannibal Lecter is so cool!" And Thomas yeah. Harris was very upset that his his hero was this complete lunatic monster right. who wasn't supposed to be the hero. So he said, ah, fine, I'll write a book, which we know will be a movie, where he is the hero and he gets the girl at the end. Car- Car- Starling, big- he gets Starling at the end yeah. of the book. I mean, that is a big right. fuck it's like, to well, the audience. I think and David Chase, to, get, to circle back to Sopranos, couldn't get over the shit that Tony, that Tony Soprano could get away with and people still love the character. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what more can I do to make this guy? He was seeking psychiatric care. You know, he was seeing a therapist. I think that's what's the interesting problem that 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 lifestyle brings up. Well, that whole thing is about mother show apart. Yeah. Huge mother issues. But but my point is, Chase is like, what more can I do for people? I hate this guy. There's nothing I can do. He can do anything. I tuned out when he killed his nephew. Yeah. that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He killed him after the car accidents. Like. Okay, he's a major character. You know, I hated the character I hated the most in this series, Sopranos, yeah. is his wife. Yeah, I, I, I just she is so evil. She's more manip- manipulative than he is. He's honest in his, you know, his whatever he does. But anyway, well, but she has, okay. she has my, favorite, like my favorite, my favorite scene too. You know? My favorite what? scene of that whole series is when they, unfortunately, the actress who played his mom, Livia, died yeah. between yeah. the first and the second season, and that really that really affected where the story could have gone because the way that first season ended with her laughing at him through his oxygen, through her oxygen. After she had a stroke. Yeah. Like all that stuff is completely fantastic. So she dies and then they have the funeral and everybody gets together at the house and they start remembering her. 
Right. And it's all just like, yeah, she's really nice. And and then it's Carmela who goes, give me a fucking break. Right. She was horrible. Right. And it was just really real and funny. Yeah. And it was great. No, that, that show's brilliant. Great. So we'll talk. All right. Let's rate this uh, heat. Wait, no, I want to say, I oh, want to say one thief. more. I want to say one thief. more thing. See, I did I w- it. <laughs> I want to say one more thing. Um, I didn't realize until you said it, that this was Belushi's first film. That's what I mean. Um, I think his two best, I like him. I haven't really watched any of his TV series or anything. I think his two best performances are in the last round of uh, Twin Peaks um, that was on Showtime mm-hmm. and a really, really ridiculous, funny comedy from the 80s with John Ritter called Real Men. Yeah. I would say, and I love that movie, bang, bang. But Belushi in this movie is in what I would say is the Chris Penn role. Like yeah. He's a secondary kind of thing. And I did not expect to be as moved as I was when he died. Yes, yeah, he was no. a small, mm-hmm. a small character that's not on screen a lot, but they built a crew and he was part of that crew. And when he got murdered so horribly and, you know, he has a family and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Again, a lot of that stuff is in heat. And uh, and I was it was a really good. And I didn't realize that was his first film. He made really a good impression in that film. Well, that's what I mean. It's that heat scene where he, that poor bastard gets beat up. His wife and him get killed up there. And, mm-hmm. that's and his kids, too. And his kids and Macaulay. That's when he, you know, goes after that guy. Yeah. No, James. Bel- I thought James Belushi was well cast in this one. And, yeah. you know, he's now he's selling pot, right? His pot farms. I believe he's in the cannabis. cannabis. Business. Yeah, he's in the cannabis business. You know, but I, I love that the John Belushi was hanging out there. What's that? That business is not doing so well. The cannabis business. Oh, is that true? Well, yeah, yeah, it'll never catch on that cannabis. So it's, it's what's that, Drew? It'll, never, <laughs> it'll never catch on. All right, let's rate this puppy. All right, Chris Coker. Oh, yippee ki yay! All right, John. I'll give it a yeah, for performances. I'll give it a yippee ki yay. Drew, I would say Yippie Kaye. I don't need to watch it again anytime soon, and there okay. are better versions of what he did in the That's movie, fair. but it's a good film. Yippie Kaye. Sean and Debbie. Oh, yeah. Yippie Kaye. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. But Debbie, you didn't like the character, but you liked the film? No, she and, grew initially. On. Oh, yeah. That's why the, the character. Oh, art. his heart, because his heart grew. Well, if you should subscri- subscribe to the show, she can hear what she said earlier <laughs> and share it. <laughs> and slam, slam, <laughs> smash. Smash the like it. button. Like smash it. Uh, uh, by the way, Yippie Kaye. Uh, Look, I would I would say yeah. if you want to watch a Michael Mann movie, this is a fine choice, but you should really watch the inside. Inside, inside is great. Brilliant. Film. Great performance. Great performance by Russell Crowe. Right. Great. All right. So we got uh, uh, that one that? is strangely unaffecting. The Johnny Depp. Oh, uh, Public Enemies. Oh yeah. Enemies. Yeah, that one. Public Enemies yeah. did knock me out, but I liked it. It's yeah. okay. I was under, if it was anybody else, I probably would have liked it, but I didn't think it lived up to Michael Mann's, you know, criminal. Mm-hmm. Well, know. I have the whole Miami Vice collection sitting in my uh, rotating uh, DVD player, and there's so many actors that that came in. Bruce and out Willis, of that thing. yeah, Bruce. There's so many yeah. people. You and actually, you Google and you can stars that were in Miami Vice, and they tell you exactly what episode they're in and all that. It's pretty cool. Well, all I don't right, know so if you saw. I think Michael Mann's last feature. I think he's got some stuff. He did Black Hat. With, oh, uh, yeah, with Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. I have good? no idea what that movie is about. But I mean, the actual story following it, watching it, there's some exciting stuff that looks neat. But I mean, I literally was like, this is Michael Mann going so far up his own butt. I don't even know what I'm looking at <laughs> yeah. in this movie. It's all neon and flashy and it looks cool, but his movies aren't generally cool looking and then that's it. So right. he's fierce. Yeah, he's fierce. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So. We're close to Halloween. 
Debbie, we know you had the next slot, but we're going to push your slot away a little bit. And uh, for the next show, each one of us are going to bring their favorite Halloween film to the podcast. It's kind of a Ron Robin. Mm-hmm. Now, Drew, you can't bring The Descent. You did that Halloween last year. Halloween Roulette. It. It's a Halloween Roulette. Roulette yeah. means... No, it's not really a roulette because we spin the roulette. This is just bring your favorite Halloween film to the table. All right. And yeah. not the same one as last time. Right. You got to no. pick a different one from the... We did now, this last year. We should probably communicate with each other so we don't bring the same one, or maybe not. Maybe no. we, maybe we don't. Maybe yeah. we have the same. Okay. I would. What I do, I would do. I'd pick two. That way, if someone picks yours, you got a backup. I promise I won't be bringing the descent part two. So don't worry. About <laughs> yeah, you didn't like that one. <laughs> Watch uh, that, Drew, and it was terrible. It's yeah. not a good one. At least it's awful. Better than say, say, directed say, by the same guy, or no, directed no. by the cinematographer, <laughs> right? Yeah, directed by the DP, who went on to do no other features. So that tells you something. I want to say one thing as we wrap up. Um, This is a landmark episode for me. This is my 50th episode. Oh, wow. wow. Of Yippie Kaye. So thank you for having me. Wow. Welcome. Thanks for staying. What would we do without you? 50. Yeah. I can't. So that means Sean and I must have. 9,000. We got a lot. (laughs) There are 85 episodes, according to. What I Is had that all? I, I've been in eighty-four of them. Feels like way more than that. <laughs> no, I this. I, I think you're getting all the different shows. John, confused. you're at yeah, what? Fifty, true, John, John. Then you're at fifty-three. No, I'm way more than that. And Chris Coker's at four. So yeah. we're doing well. Yeah, but the, he's he's had the most impact. Well, right. wait, but every time every time he went out and then came back on last episode, does that count as another episode? Because like, that's like seven of them. I mean, I think it should count. Oh, it all worked. Chris, it's true. congratulations for staying with us. The whole yeah. hey, you know what? I switched up my device, and um, it's it seems to be working better. Yeah, it's working great. You got away job. from the Chromebook? No, we should. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that Chromebook's all awesome. All right, so everybody have a good couple of weeks. Next next show, we're going to bring on your favorite Halloween film. Bring it back up in mm. case we duplicate. But even if we duplicate, so what? I mean, if, you know, we're agreeing with each other. Maybe. I got you. Yeah. All right. I, I believe they're not going to have, we're not all going to agree on the same one. So it shouldn't be a problem. I think we're going to be. I fine. would think so. Okay. All right. That's I'll great. So good. everybody stay safe for the And go Sox. Weeks. Go Sox. They're in the uh, championship series. Go Sox. And yeah, she's. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So and shoes, Debbie. and <laughs> shoes, uh, shoes. Nice what? So shoes? excited. Yeah, socks and shoes, Ralph. Oh, socks and shoes. Ah, so we're just making a sports ball joke. I I missed the joke. I'm sorry. Oh. My bad. It's not really, it's not I, I'll explain it. Yeah, the, uh, if you for the explain. page for the Patreon people. Yeah. I'll explain that show on the commentary track. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good couple weeks. Yep. You too. Stay safe, Thank you guys. Happy Halloween. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>